You're listening to Market Boldly, a podcast for executives, brand managers, branch managers, marketing directors, and sales managers in distribution who want to build their brand, stimulate sales, and drive profits. I'm your host, Katrina Olson. Thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Rich Ryan, owner of RGR Services, an independent sales firm specializing in trade show exhibit sales and exhibit floor management for B2B and B2C events. Rich also handles advertising sales in the Northeast and Central States for B2B publications, TED Magazine, the trade publication of the National Association of Electrical Distributors, or NAD, and also the trade publication for independent electrical contractors. Rich also has seven years' experience as a national sales manager for several trade publications. I've known Rich for almost 10 years through our affiliation with NAED. I work on the editorial side while he works on the advertising sales side of TED Magazine, which means his sales efforts financially support my writing, so in a way, it helps pay my bills. So thanks for that, Rich. You're welcome. Rich and I have talked a lot about marketing, so I'm excited to have him as a guest on Market Boldly. Welcome, Rich. Well, thank you, Katrina. Very excited to be here, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I've never <laughs> had one so well. Well, you're welcome. Usually it's, oh, what what do you want me to spend with you and why? So um, we're just going to jump right in with some questions. Rich, I know you see a lot of marketing in your job as a sales rep for these B2B publications and also at trade shows. And I know that you have a bachelor's degree in communications from the State University of New York at Fredonia. I also know you attended TED Magazine's Best of the Best Awards at their adventure conference in Chicago. So you don't have to mention specific companies, but I guess you can if you want. Let's talk about what you've seen that works. And since you're most familiar with print, let's start there. I think ads that that really stand out to me is those who use their employees in their ads, Hmm. especially the factory workers, the service providers. Um, I think that brings home a strong point when they say made in America and they actually show you two or three workers who look grimy, who look like they've been in the factory all day. That drives home a selling point to me. Yeah, and we've seen a lot more of that lately. Um, I know in judging, we've seen a lot more companies using uh, their employees, and I think it just makes it seem more sincere or something, you know, more real. Um, anything else you want to mention that you've seen? Yeah, I think the trend I'm starting to see now, which I think works really well, are those advertisers who make a play on words or take a situation and have a little fun with it. For example, there's a lighting company that they're doing these, basically, I call them a self-help ad. They have a light bulb staring in the mirror saying, I'm the best of the bunch and, you know, I'm a love machine. And I think that really stands out because Truthfully, you're selling lights. It's not very sexy, but they made the ad sexy. Yeah, that was Topaz Lighting. I believe they won a print award for that campaign. You know, we see so much of the same introducing our new blah, 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 or we've got the best blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I know I get tired of those, and I'm sure the readers and the customers who look at those do too. I also think the use of color is important. I mean, there are some advertisers who take advantage of the background and do a color to stand out like orange. Mm-hmm. Um, so no matter where the print ad appears in the magazine, you go, wow, this just jumped off the page. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of advertisers forget that when you reserve ad space, whether it's a half page or a full page, you have space to work with. It's not so much just what's on the ad, but what's your background look like? How can we make this stand out more so it just doesn't look like another ad? 
Yeah, that's a good point. And they have the full spectrum of color. And I know they're very, and they should be married to their brand colors and their corporate colors, but you have the full spectrum Absolutely. of color to work with. And I think you're right. I think they forget that. And sometimes maybe it's just using a, a photograph or a, a pattern. I've seen some really cool ads where they use the, think about the metal on a, a tool shed or a toolbox, or even like one of those boxes you see on the back of trucks, you know, they use that mm -hmm. as their background and it tied in with their product. And I thought that was really interesting. I think that's a really good point and something that's very easy to do. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very easy. It's something they don't think about. They certainly should use their brand colors, sure. their brand theme, but also it's okay to go bold. I think there's just a fear. I know like when I had my agency several many years ago now, I would talk to clients. I'd say, well, let me see your creative work. And they go, oh, that's great. That's great. You know, and they'd hire us. And then we'd try to do something like that for them. And they go, oh, no, no, we can't do that. <laughs> it's like, well, then mm -hmm. you probably didn't need me. You probably could have hired anyone. But I, yeah, I don't know. So what about trade shows? What have you seen? And this is a whole area of specialty that I probably should talk to you more in depth about at another time. But um, I know we're using we're seeing a lot more technology used in trade shows and I don't know if that's something you want to speak to, but what kind of marketing are you seeing at and prior to and even during trade shows? Well, I think before we get into talking about marketing for your booth at a trade show, I think the number one factor companies miss out on is to do research on the show they're going to. Wow. I mean, to be effective at a show, you really need to know who's walking the show floor. Are they buyers? Are they tire kickers? You know, why are they here? And then once you figure out who your audience is, then you have to look at your exhibit space and say, what's our goal? Are we here to sell product? If we are, do we bring an engineer to discuss product? Are we here to meet with current clients? If that's the case, make sure you have upper management there. Um, and once you figure that out, to me, then the next step is, okay, how do we market ourselves? And I think those exhibitors who do simple contests which could be everything from a simple email blast to the attendee list to actually down and dirty postcard in the mail. People mm -hmm. still like getting those, you know, drop off this postcard. Mm -hmm. I think that helps. I think if you invest in a trade show, you should invest in a sponsorship so you can stand out amongst the crowd. Explain what you mean by a sponsorship. You have opportunities at trade shows to do everything simple from putting a brochure or an ad in a tote bag to sponsoring a coffee break uh. to being a big sponsor of sponsoring the general session or an educational session. And I think a lot of exhibitors miss out on that opportunity to reinforce their brand and strengthen their market share at a show. I think a lot of exhibitors book a space Someone from corporate reserves a booth for a show, and then they have the local salesperson go, who really doesn't want to be there, but it's two days out of the office. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let me grab my USA Today and sit behind my six-foot table, and please don't look at me. <laughs> and they miss golden opportunities where anybody who stops by your booth could be a big purchaser that day, the next year, five years. And, you know, I think I think that's a good point. I appreciate you bringing up the strategy behind that, that uh, I'm sure a lot of people have the if you build it, they will come mentality where they just, like you said, show up with their six foot table and their brochures and hope people will stop by. But you know, there really is like any marketing effort. There's a strategy. Who are you trying to reach? What do they want? You know, what can you offer them? Um, what level of personnel should be there? What are they expecting? What are some of the other uh, things you see at trade shows? What are the goals and the strategies? Well, I think the goals depends on the company, but yes, I mean, I think the number one goal is to generate new leads. 
mean, as you know, everybody knows in sales, you got to feed the sales funnel. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's important to keep your business strong. So it's important to reinforce your commitments to current customers. Um, Because the one thing about a trade show, if you make tools, for example, it's going to be you and 10 of your best competitors there. Right. So you want to make sure you reinforce with your customers, hey, stop by our booth. Yeah. So I think leads, I think, you know, building the bond and rapport with your customers are important. I think seeing what else is out there, what's new, what's mm-hmm. innovative in the industry, what are we missing? Mm-hmm. Where can we go with our company? I think that's an important factor when you're at a trade show. Um, but probably the number one thing is the quality leads. We need quality leads. I mean, you can come home from a show with 300 business cards, But when you get down to it and you go through the business cards, how many are true leads? So one of the things I hear you saying is sometimes it's just important. I mean, obviously you want to have a strategy, but sometimes it's just important to show up and to be there. And I imagine it's a good time for you to scope out your competition. That's what I would do if I were there. It happens all the time at trade shows. Um, You you see exhibitors walk to show floor just as much as attendees and they'll stop by. And, you know, most companies, you know, company A might compete with company B. But they're all friends. The sales reps know each other. So even they do some bonding and rapport. They talk about clients. They talk about clients that are bad pays or slow pays. (laughs) They try and help each other out, which is a good thing. Yes. But yeah, you can... Competition's always checking out competition. Yeah. I think you made a good point, too, about seeing what's out there, about staying current. I mean, we all have the great intentions of reading articles, which, of course, I'm sure everybody reads my marketing articles. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I know Every we all, day. <laughs> I know we all have the best intention of reading and keeping up with the industry and developments, but it's a lot easier when you can just walk around and see them, you know, with their key points blaring at you, as they, you know, hopefully should be. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so I know you were at the TED Magazine Best of the Best Marketing Competition award ceremony in August in Chicago and I watched the Facebook live stream I wasn't there plus I got to see all the entries during judging so I really didn't need to see them again but did you see anything I know you mentioned the ads with the light bulbs uh, in the mirror but anything else that really impressed you or stuck with you after that event yeah I think there's a couple of ads that stuck with me that I thought was a great way for the company, excuse me, the advertiser to show their industry support, their community support. And the one that really jumped at me was Cooper Electric's Halloween promo, where they were offering little safety lights to the kids for Mm trick-or-treating. I thought, what a great concept to say, hey, we're part of your community. We value our community. We value safety. And also, kids need to go out and trick-or-treat on Halloween and let us help them with that. I thought that was a really good concept. It was one of those programs where they weren't trying to sell something. They were just trying to, re, in my mind, reinforce their commitment to the community. Yeah, and what an easy promotion to do. You know, you just buy some lighted sticks. Maybe they were branded. I don't remember. Um, let people know. Yeah, I thought that was a good one. Anything else you saw? Yeah, the one that I think gets an award because, to me, it was thinking outside the box and they received an award is ideal i mean ideal is doing as hopefully most people know a electrical contractor competition you know it's the all-star game of electrical contractors who's the best yeah yeah i liked that one too it was big too it was a big event wasn't it it was and they picked an electrical distributor magazine which isn't written for contractors which doesn't go to electrical contractors as another avenue to market this competition which made perfect sense to me because the contractor comes into the distributor, 
the counterperson or the distributor knows the contractor, and it was a great opportunity to say, have you seen this ad? Are you applying for this competition? I thought that was very good marketing outside the box. Yeah, and as I recall, that was a nationwide competition, and they I think they flew people somewhere. It, to- it was a big competition, and to me, that marketing team gets the credit for saying, we know this is geared towards contractors, but there's an opportunity where distributors can help us get our message across. Yeah, I think that, I, I think that was a good one, too. Um, anything else, or do you want to move on to what you see in magazines and publications that you work with? We can move on. Okay. Um, you see a lot of the ads that go into TED Magazine and other industry publications. I'm sure you're looking at other publications, too. Who do you see, and you can mention names if you want, who do you see this doing a good job and what are they doing? Well, I think Bridgeport does an excellent job where they're reinforcing their product line. Um, you know, they're, they've gone with their company colors of orange. Orange is their backdrop. I think they do a very good job of clean, crisp. Here's what we have, you know, to offer you. They're doing a very good push with their solar product. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I like is their recent batch of ads, even though it's a full page ad, the bottom right hand corner is peeled back just enough to show their affiliation with various associations. Oh, nice. I don't know if I've seen those. I think that's a very good way to say, here's who we are and here's our support for the industry. Patriot Aluminum is a company that comes to mind where they've taken this, you know, we're American, made in America to great heights where, you know, all their ads are red, white, and blue. If you go to their website, it's red, white, and blue. They do a yearly calendar of the, you know, Rosie the Riveter program. So they've really tied it up where, you know, this is who we are. This is what's going on. They use videos extremely well. So I think they're doing an excellent job. What else have you seen either in this industry or even in other industries that you'd like to comment on? It could even be television commercials or, or you know, more mainstream media ads. Oh, oh that's, a, that's a trick one. I threw that one at you. I didn't have that on the, uh, on the agenda for today. <laughs> Television-wise, that's a totally different animal where you only have so many seconds to get a message across. And I think the comical ads stick with me more than the serious ads. Yeah. The worst ads to me are all the drug ads because they're so depressing. I know. You know you're you're going to get sick. You're going to have to take this. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. And if I didn't need it before, I need it now after watching your ad. Right. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, they're, and they're so long. And, I know. Oh, yeah. Um, they're long because they have 30 seconds worth of disclaimers. There's one that my husband likes, and I, I should know because I've seen it many times, but this is um, – Maybe bad news for them. Um, it's a family driving in the car, and everybody has their headphones on, listening to whatever, and he's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. I guess he's like, yeah, and I just got a set of golf clubs you don't even know about. <laughs> There's a car manufacturer, I can't think who want, which one it is, who uses the dogs that just cracks me up because, I mean, they basically take what we're thinking and make, you know, like the, the golden retriever checking out the French poodle on the corner Why? The other golden retrievers sitting there with her hair and curlers. I just, I think that's a great ad. On the flip side, and don't name names this time, um, but what are you tired of seeing in ads that doesn't work? What is, what do we need to get rid of and replace with something else? Those ads where you look at it and you try and, and you say, what are they trying to sell me? Mm-hmm. It's either it's too much copy or it, it just doesn't flow. For example, conferences. I think the worst bunch of advertisers in the world are trade shows <laughs> because if you if you look at every trade show ad in a trade magazine, it usually shows people going up an escalator. Oh. 
Well, are they leaving the show floor? <laughs> are they going to the show floor? That's not a picture I'd want to show somebody. Oh, that's funny. Or yeah. they show the outside of the convention center. Well, mm -hmm. exhibitors know they'll never be on the outside of the convention. Yes, it's a pretty <laughs> convention center, but it doesn't sell me on why I should be at the show. Or here's a palm tree. You know, we're in Orlando. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, and we both. I'm not going to see the tree. Right. We, I was just going to say, we both know that when you go to a conference, you, or especially I know because I've worked a couple of trade shows and I don't want to do it again because it's exhausting. I mean, you're in there all day and you're talking to people and I know you're a high energy guy and I'm pretty high energy too. But by the end of the day, you're just tapped and all you want to do is go to your room and sleep and watch TV. Yes. You know, after you go to dinner with people and have some drinks. You yes, know? yes. But you're right. You don't you don't get to spend a lot of time in that city usually. No, you don't. It's the greatest job in the world. You get off the plane, you go to the hotel, you check in, you walk across the street to the convention center. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know how you demonstrate some of the benefits of a trade show. If you're the trade show advertiser, it's it's a challenge, and maybe that's why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of what you could even do. Um, I don't know. I think it'd have to be something like you said, out of the box, different. So what else are you tired of seeing? What I call the penny saver ads, which to me is it's a full page advertiser who puts 30 products in the ad. Yeah. Or even yeah. one big I mean, one. That's not ex that's not that exciting either. But, you know, I'm tired right. of seeing products. I'd, I'd rather see people. I'd rather see maybe even the product and use or the people who use the product or just somehow humanize the benefit of the product. But Correct. just product shots. I can see those on your website or your catalog. Right. You know, you know and then you look at some of these product shot shots and. It's for something that's 99 cents. And I always think, well, you just spent X amount on this ad and you're running an ad for a 99 cents product. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, I do like when they take the product. I know there was one a while back and it was maybe you can tell me what the product was. Is that your window washer in the background? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but they, their pitch was that this... Um, Light, who you know who this is? The light is bendable. It's like a long tubular light that's bendable. Do you remember who oh, that shatter is? Oh, Shatter Shield. Shatter Shield. Shatter Shield. Shatter yes. Shield. Yeah, and I thought that was really clever because it was a product shot, but they used it and manipulated the product in ways to demonstrate the benefit. I thought that was super clever, and so that time, in, in a situation like that, I don't mind a product shot, but just to put it on a page with a paragraph or ten of copy, I don't really want to know. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I want to know the information, but tell it to me in a more interesting and creative way. Right. Um, okay. So pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is copy that puts the focus on the company or the advertiser rather than, um, or the product rather than the customer. Or instead of talking about what the product or service can do for the customer. When I was in college, my uh, sales writing instructor called it UView. It's putting yourself in the customer's shoes and writing from their perspective and answering that big question, what's in it for me on behalf of the customer. What we see a lot of is this sort of bombastic braggadocio about how your product is the best or the newest or the greatest or the only. What are some of your pet peeves? The biggest one is I get that we are in the age of social media, but how many advertisers never put a phone number in their ad? Oh, good point. And you look at the ads and, you know, like us on Facebook, click us on LinkedIn, you know, send us an email. And I'm like, what if I just want to pick up the phone and talk to one of your sales reps? Now I have to go and find a phone number. I'm not going to do that. It's yeah, you have to go online to the website, search. Yeah. It's amazing to me how just a simple thing has been removed from an ad. 
Yeah, one of my fellow best of the best judges, Hank Bergson, uh, that's his pet peeve. He always catches it when I'm focused on copy or someone else is reading the strategy. Uh, it's a good point, though. When I started out you know, in print advertising eons ago and someone would call and say, I need to make good, my ad didn't run correctly, the first thing we'd say to him is, is your phone number in the ad? Yes. Well, then you probably got phone calls. One of my other pet peeves is the advertisers who use stock images or photos, and you recognize that from something else. You know, I mean, <laughs> magazines are at fault like this. You could open up three trade magazines, and they all have the same stock image. Oh, boy. Yeah, that that's where it might be a, a good time to invest in a photographer. Or, you know, even we can do so much ourselves anymore with photography and digital photography and Photoshop and even cheaper Photoshop clone programs. And I, I'm sure every photographer out there is saying, no, don't do it. But, you know, invest in a little, <laughs> invest in a little original photography. I think, that, right. I think that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you see a lot more, especially print, than I do. And the last one I'll tell you about is, and this is actually my number one pet peeve, is those advertisers who rerun the same copy for two or three years. Oh, I know. Because it's so much easier to say, oh, just pick up my ad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I could launch into my tirade about how marketing departments are underappreciated and overworked, but I think we've all heard that story before. But I think as a, as a discipline, I think marketing is maybe a little underrepresented in some of these industries that you and I work with. And, and that goes to not wanting to spend money on new creative. And everybody doesn't need an agency. Use the people that you have. Mm-hmm. And actually, that leads me to my next question, perhaps. What advice do you have for marketing directors or managers, the people that you probably work with day to day? My biggest advice is stand back and let your creative team think outside the box. Yeah. You know, let the writers, the graphic designers, your freelancers put something together. Let them run with a concept, then present it to you. Yeah. Um, you'd be surprised when they have free reign what they could come up with. You know, be open to new ideas. And I was one of those creative people for many years of my career, and there's nothing more disheartening than being told no all the time. And then what happens is you self-censor. You're like, oh, this is really cool, but they'll never go for it. Well, this is really cool, but they'll never go for it. So you stop being creative and you stunt them and you take away their passion too. I mean, creative people were born to do fun things and create and and eventually they'll leave Mm -hmm. or they'll just keep churning out the same thing that they know is the path of least resistance. Correct. And on the flip side, those marketing directors and managers have to be open to those new ideas and not just say, oh, that's really cool, but we're not going to do it. Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Do it and see what happens. You know, you and I have talked about several ads that stood out and they stood out because they were different or they showed the product in a unique way or they featured their people or they showed something unexpected. Mm -hmm. A lot of the creative people can do that, but you got to give them the the free reign to do it. Mm -hmm. What about those people in the trenches creating the marketing? What advice do you have for them, the writers, graphic designers, web designers, freelancers, all those people? I would say the most important thing is know your market. Know who who reads the publication, who goes to the website that you're going to be advertising on. You can run what you think is the greatest ad, but if it doesn't hit the market correctly, you're not going to get the response you want. The best example I tell people, and I'm not naming names, But there was a credit card company that wanted electrical distributors to accept their card. And basically, the ad they ran was two guys on a golf course. Oh, missed. That's a miss, isn't it? Wow. You know, that's a bad miss because we're a distributor saying, who who has time to go out right now? Right. 
And if then they're probably, I mean, I'm sure some of them are golfers, but I know we used to see a lot of um, race car promotions and fishing promotions. And um, there's, there's more than just golf, but the people who created the ad, probably that's who they knew of their executives, you know? So they're like, well, our executives golf, all, all executives probably golf. I see a lot more marketing departments developing personas or personas, however you want to say it to say, here's what a typical customer looks like. And it's much easier to write to a person, even if it's an imaginary person that represents a larger group of customers, than it is to just write to, uh, just write about your product or write to all customers. When I taught a writing course at U of I, kind of like a University of Illinois, kind of a copywriting course, one of the questions I asked them at the beginning of class was, which would be easier, writing a letter to your grandma or writing a letter to a random elderly person? And they said, well, it'd be easier to write to my grandma. I'm like, why? And like, well, I don't know, because she's my grandma. I'm like, no, it's because you know her, you know what she likes, you know that she likes to do yoga and that she loves uh, plants or whatever. You know things about your grandma that you don't know about other people. So I think developing those personas helps a lot. Is there any other advice you have for marketing tacticians, the people who are creating the advertising? I would say the two other things I'd recommend is try and stand out from the crowd. Take a look at who's doing what and try not to recycle what they're doing. (laughs) And again, know your market, know your audience inside and out. Take time to read the magazines you're thinking of advertising in or take time to go through the website you're thinking of putting digital ads in. I mean, know who reads it, who takes advantage of it, and that'll help you define what you your message should be. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Um, do you have any final thoughts for marketers in electrical distribution or any other industries for that matter? The one final thought I would say, no matter what trade publication you're thinking of looking at advertising in, find out if they've done advertising studies. Most trade publications do Baxter ad studies, which give you a great overview of how the readers respond to the various ads. See if you can get a copy of that study. Plan on advertising in those issues that have those studies. There, it, a Baxter ad study is a great way for you to see how your ad responded per the audience. And they will share that with you? The magazine will share that with you generally? Most good magazines, most very good sales reps should share with you previous Baxter ad studies. And can you share with an advertiser which ads rated well in the Baxter studies? It's public knowledge once the study's out, so yes. Okay. Oh, great. I I actually send them a report of the study so they get through it. Because the other thing it does is it reinforces how readers use your magazine. For example, TED Magazine, if you look at our latest Baxter study, you can see that our issue is read cover to cover. There's no gaps. It's not like people read the president's page and then went to the back page. Oh, what do you know? Okay. So take advantage of those opportunities. Ask your sales reps your advertising reps. Do you have these studies? Do you have market studies? See if there's any market studies available, so which helps give you a better idea of what the market's bringing. And you know, I bet they could actually, and this is probably in the rate card. I haven't looked at a rate card for a while, but the demographics of your readers, that would be helpful. I don't know what all, do you provide that to your clients who advertise with you? Yep. It's, it's called the BPA statement. Okay. And it shows you basically, not by person, but by area, who's receiving the magazine, who's requested the magazine, all important stuff. Again, just reinforcing the point that you need to do your research, know who you're talking to, find out what their pain points are, address those pain points, and present your pitch, your ad in a creative way that's probably not used to what they're seeing, so it'll stand out to them. I guess that's the overall theme of (laughs) this discussion today. Correct. 
All yes, right. it is. All right. Well, hey, well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. And thank your window washer for providing sound effects. <laughs> yes, let's thank Sandusky Painting for the wonderful job we've done today. And it won't make it to the final cut, but we can thank my dogs for barking upstairs. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, my guest today was my friend and associate, Rich Ryan, owner of RGR Services, an independent sales firm specializing in trade show exhibit sales and exhibit floor management for B2B and B2C events. Well, thank you for your time. Katrina, I had a great time today. This has been Market Boldly, a podcast for executives, brand managers, branch managers, marketing directors, and sales managers in distribution who want to build their brand, stimulate sales, and drive profits. Subscribe to Market Boldly on iTunes or Google Play Music, or find it on my website at KatrinaOlson.com. This is Katrina Olson challenging you to market boldly.